This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Funding for Igeret Hachuva, the Epistle on Repentance, is provided by Isaac, son of Devorah Mindel. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. The soul, the Neshama, comes from Hashem's name. Hashem's essential name, Yud Kevavke. Versus all the rest of creation, including the Malachim, including the angels, even the highest level of angels come from the name Elohim. Because the angels were created with Hashem's breath, the breath that spoke the ten utterances, versus the Neshama comes from, not the breath where the breath speaks, but comes from the inner breath. Hashem blew. When you blow, it comes from within. That's why you, you can't breathe, you can't blow for long. You're, giving, you're expelling your breath. And that very breath becomes in the neshama of a person. And that's what it means. It says in Hazinu, in the song of Hazinu, at the end of Deuteronomy, that a Jew is a piece of Hashem. Literally, the neshama of a Jew is a piece of Hashem's name. Yudke Vavke Hashem's internal name is a central name. Elohim is the way God projects himself, is a name which you share with others. Judges also called Elohim. Angels are called Elohim. But Hashem, only Hashem is called Hashem, Yudke Vavke, because that's Hashem's essential name. Because that's Hashem's being, not the way Hashem projects himself externally, the way he interacts with the world, the way he creates the world. That's not what Hashem is about, that He creates worlds. That's the most external, superficial part of Hashem. Of course, He has the ability to create worlds, and it's a miracle, and it's to create something from nothing, but that's not what Hashem is all about. That's not what a, Hashem... Then you have Hashem's being, His essence, which is Yud Vav. A Jew is rooted and connected with Hashem. Not only rooted, is connected with Hashem's essence. A Jew's Neshama is connected with Hashem. A Jew's soul is in this world. So he's, now he's going to explain what do you mean that the soul, the neshama, is characterized by the name, Hashem's essential name, Yudke Vavke. Where do you find the name Yudke Vavke? Is that the neshama is part of that name. Where do you see that? So the Altareb is going to explain that just like the ten spheres are included in Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, so too, the ten corresponding faculties in the soul, we already learned earlier in chapter 3, in the first part of Tanya, that a person has ten, koiches and nefesh, the neshama is made up, comprised of ten different abilities. Why do we have ten? Because it's a reflection, we created the image of Hashem, it's a reflection of the ten spheres, the ten divine emanations. So just like the ten divine emanations are all connected with Yudke Vavke, and as he's going to explain in great detail, which ones are connected to which letter of the Yudke Vavke. 
So too, the neshama in this world, the ten faculties that we have in this world, that are made up of ten, are really, each one reflects another letter of the name of Hashem. So he starts, begins by quoting the Maimar of Elio in the, in the introduction to the Tikkun Zohar, which we say every Friday before Shabbos, before Mincha. Elio said, there's a well-known statement of Elio in the passage entitled Pasach Elio in the introduction of Tikkun Zohar, you are he who elicited the ten Tikkunim, garments, which we call ten spheres, by which to conduct the concealed worlds and the revealed worlds. Tikkun is more than just a garment. The garment is external. A garment characterizes the world's briya, yitzira, siya, like thought, speech, and action. They're called garments. Because they're external to the person. They're not really part of you. A garment you can take on, put on, and put off. The ten spheres are more like the body. The body is not a garment. You can't take off the body, even though the neshama is not the body. The neshama exists before the body, and it continues to exist after the body. But when the neshama enters into the body, the body is not a garment. Okay, I don't like this body for tonight. Let me switch bodies. Let me take off the body and, and put on another body. You can't do that. The neshama becomes one with the body. The body becomes one with the neshama. Not, it's more than a garment. And he calls it tikkun. Tikkun, as the Rebbe Rashab explains, is more like a tachshit, is more like jewelry. There's a difference between clothes and jewelry. Clothes is more external. Jewelry is much more internal. Jewelry expresses the person that's wearing the jewelry. Jewelry is something that beautifies the person. It, it becomes, it's much closer to the person than clothes are. Clothes are much more external. It's a tikkun to the person. The person becomes better as a result of the clothes or something you wear. It's functional, you wear. But jewelry is something, not as a necessity, but jewelry is something that does a tikkun to the person. It elevates the person. It, it, it changes your whole transforms the person. The person is not wearing jewelry, the person who wears jewelry transforms the whole person. It, it, it's, it's like you identify with the jewelry. It's much more personal. It's not clothes. Clothes is external. You don't identify with your clothes. But you identify with your jewelry. It's me. It's a statement of who I am. So it's, it's a tikkun. It's much closer. So the ten spheres are not like clothes. Clothes are garments. Clothes are external. It's more that it's like a tikkun, which is more like, like, like jewelry. It's something that's much closer. So even though it's not the person, you can take off the jewelry, not the person. But nevertheless, the jewelry is a tikkun for the soul. It, 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 it's very, it expresses the soul in a very deep way. So the ten spheres, even though God is infinite and God is, but nevertheless, the ten spheres are a tikkun. Ten tikkunin. They're a tikkun to the infinite light. They are intimate with the infinite light. They're an expression of the infinite light. And they're called the ten spheres. With which God conducts 
the concealed worlds and the revealed worlds. The question is, immediately, how can we say that the ten spheros, which are God's name, Yudke Vavke, are there in order to conduct the worlds? We just finished learning earlier in the chapter last week that the, um, the difference between the name Elohim and the name Yudke Vavke. The name Elohim represents Hashem Bereshis Bar Elohim. Hashem created through speech, through words, the ten utterances. And all of the creations, all the creatures that were created through those words and utterances, which is even the angels, the sun, the moon, the stars, and even the angels. And all of that was created. And this is God's breath, the way God's breath enclosed himself in the words and letters and the speech. That's the name of Elohim. Then you have Hashem's name. Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, is where Hashem is for himself. Transcending the words, transcending letters. So how can you say that the ten spheres, which comprise Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, that the whole purpose is to, to, to conduct, to lead the worlds. The worlds are connected to the words and the letters. The words and the letters are connected to the name Elohim. Not the name Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke is Hashem's essential name, where Hashem transcends the world. So that's why he immediately brings the follow-up, what it says there in Pasach Elio, further, further up, he says, You are wise, but not with a noble attribute of wisdom. You understand, but not with a noble attribute of understanding, and so on, regarding the remaining spheres. In other words, when he says the ten spheres, he says the ten spheres, when we say God knows, you are wise, it's not with a known wisdom. You understand? It's not with an understandable understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. And these ten spheres initially are there to conduct the hidden worlds. Not the revealed worlds. The revealed worlds, that's the idea of letters. Letters is a revelation. Words are a revelation. I'm speaking words. I'm communicating words. I'm speaking words to someone else. So words that are communication, that are revelation, that comes from the name Elohim. But the name Yudke Vavke, Yudke Vavke represents the ten spheres, but the ten spheres are not known to us. It's beyond our comprehension. We say God is wise, but not with a wisdom that we can understand. Allah, not a wisdom that we understand, that we know. God is understanding, not with an understanding, and the same is true with all the spheres. God is kindness, love, not with a kindness that we, we understand, that we relate to. And it's with these spheres that God conducts and leads the hidden worlds. So this is all beyond words and letters. Words and letters is when God is revealed to the outsider. That's the name of Elohim. And with that, God created the world, the, the external worlds, Bria, Yetzir, Asiya, and all the angels. But the ten spheres are God the way God is for himself. And even the ten spheres within God are a, a wisdom that we don't understand. 
We call God wise, but not any wisdom that we can understand or relate to. And the same is with all the ten spheres. And God conducts the hidden worlds, which are hidden from us and not revealed to us, because they transcend words and letters. And by conducting the hidden worlds, eventually it also he ends up conducting the, the external world. But it all originates from conducting the hidden worlds that are completely beyond our comprehension. The ten svirot are beyond our comprehension. And what kind of world is he running with these ten svirot? The hidden worlds that are totally beyond our, our level. They're hidden. So this is the name Hashem, Yudke Vavke, Hashem's essential name that transcends the world, the revealed world, which comes from the name Elohim, words, letters. Now he says, page 1043, all the ten spheres are included and represented in their source, which is God's name, Yudke Vavke. And now he goes into specifics. Ki ayud, the letter yud. It's just a point, a dot, a simple point. Yud. Smallest letter. Like a dot, a point. It hints at, it indicates the sphere of Chachma, on the level of Chachma. The Yud, he says, is Merame's hints to Hashem's wisdom, which is the state of concealment and obscurity. Before it develops into a state of expansion and revelation in comprehension and understanding. Chachma is a dot. It's a flash. It's a sense. Before you can explain it in words, before you can articulate it, it's a general feeling or sense. It's just a, a, an, a, an idea, a dot, a creative flash. The creative genius Most of them died in obscurity. <laughs> because they have the creative genius. They have a window to heaven. And they come up and they come up with the impossible. But it's the Steve Jobs who gets all the credit. The person who takes his creative genius and goes to town with it. Columbus died in prison. America's name after Mariego. He took Columbus's discovery and went to town with it. So the creative genius, the creative person, the Chachma, it, it's an idea. It's an idea, a brilliant flash of lightning. It's a eureka. It's a, a, a revelation, a, a new idea, a new approach, a revolutionary approach. But this is all like a dot. You can't articulate it yet. You can't communicate it. You can't express it. It's, it's more like a feeling. It's very exciting and it's very powerful, very intense, but it's very... It's a dot. It's more an internal movement. Something internally shifts inside. The creative genius and something inside, like it gets a communication, a window to the soul, a communication from a subconscious and... A whole new path, a whole new direction opens up, a whole new idea that no one ever thought of. Everyone thought it's impossible. This is, 
it's more internal. It's very internal. There's very little revelation. There's very little communication. Precious little. It's all internal. There's no espashtas. There's no expansion. There's no revelation. It's all internal. It's like a wellspring. The wellspring is a drop at a time, it's, but it's, it's alive. It's bubbling. It's a wellspring. Fountain. But the fountain is not a roaring river. The fountain is a little fountain. But it's, it's a fountain. It's a source. It's alive. This is the beginning. The first flash. The yud. The king. On top. The first one. The pioneer. The breakthrough. The revelation. The father. This is Chachma. Chachma, the father, is a point. He gives, he gives a contribution, a point. Everything is in this point. But it's not the Ispashtas. It's not the... That's Bina. Bina is the Ispashtas. But this is Chachma. So Chachma is a point. But it's hidden. It's internal. The thorn above the Yud... Because a yud has two thorns. It has on top and it has on the bottom. There's the yud, then it has a little, a little crown on the top. It also has the crown on the bottom. So this is the crown that's on top of the yud. Roimez, hints to something even greater. It hints to the will of Hashem. Which is higher, transcends by far even the level of wisdom, supernal wisdom. So he says, the Yud hints at the level of Chach. The ten Svirais are included and represented in the letters Yudke Vavke. But the crown on top of the Yud only indicates the level of Rat. What's the difference? What do you mean? What's the difference in included versus it only indicates words contain a meaning. The word has a meaning. The word means something. Then you have words that don't directly contain a meaning. It only hints at a meaning. For example, a riddle. A riddle. Okay, it's not clear. But in these words, you have the answer to the riddle. These words contain, they don't contain, but they hint at a meaning. It's not obvious. When the word contains the meaning, it's clear what the word means. 
Then it totally contains it. But then there are things that can't be clearly contained. They're just hinted at. Because it's too deep. The words are not enough. They're too limited to contain the meaning of it. You look at it, it's like a riddle. It's a puzzle. But in here, in these words, you'll find, you can figure out the puzzle, you can figure out the riddle. The answer is here. But it's it's hinting at the answer. The puzzle, the riddle, hints at the answer. You can come to the answer, you can find the answer, but it's very brief, it's very short, it's very... The words don't clearly, directly give you the answer, it hints at the answer. But even a hint, hint, even a hint is still contained in the words. Not clearly, but at least the hint is there. Then you have a level, something that's not contained in the words at all. Not only is it not contained, it's not even hinted at in the words. Because you're talking about something that completely defies description. It's completely not only infinite, but completely undefined. And therefore, no word or no letter could contain it. Not even hint at it. For example, the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Anoichi, three words. Anoichi, I. Hashem is saying, Anoichi, I. Hashem, my essential name. Yudke, Vavke, Elokecha is your God. What is the word Anoichi, I? So, the Torah says, Anoichi is, the Lo Yisramez, and the Zohar says, Lo Yisramez, I, who am I? That's not a hint of that. Loi b'shum ois. Not in a letter of loi b'shum kates. And not even in a crown. It can't even be hinted at. Because I, who am I, is referring to Hashem's essence. When you say Hashem's name, even the name Yudke Vavke, which is Hashem's essential name, it's not like all the other names where Hashem interacts with the other worlds, where you can use the same name for other things. Hashem is Hashem's unique name. Hashem, only Hashem is called Hashem. Hashem is being. The Yud Sviras, it's Hashem. Hashem's personality, so to speak. But nevertheless, it's a name. It's a description. It's infinite, but it's a description. Wisdom, infinite wisdom. Wisdom that we can't even begin to describe, we can't even relate to. But it's called wisdom. It's called understanding, and it's called love and compassion, and it's called strength, and it's called beauty, and it's called mercy. So it's Hashem's mercy, and it's infinite mercy. But nevertheless, it's... You're describing it. You're giving it a name. Yudke Vavke. So the name contains whatever you call it. It's a holy name. It's a name that you're not allowed to erase. It's a holy name. But it's a name. Then there's a noichi. I, it's beyond names. You can't call me by any name. Because any name is limiting. You can't define me and you can't describe me. and You, you can't say I'm infinite wisdom. You, I'm undefined. I'm not wisdom and I'm not this. Hashem's a Hashem himself, his essence. 
So Anoichi is such a level which is not not only not contained in the letters, it's not even hinted at in the crown. And nevertheless, Anoich, which refers to Hashem, is not a holy name. If you have a piece of paper that says Anoichi, you can take it to the bathroom. Anoichi doesn't. Why? Because the word doesn't contain Hashem. The word can't contain Hashem. Yud Kei Vav is a description. It defines the ten spheres, the divine emanations. But nevertheless, it contains the holiness of Hashem. And it's crowned, and also it also hints at. But the hint, as well as the meaning, is all contained within the letter. So the letter itself is holy. The words itself are holy. Yudke Vavke is holy. Not allowed to erase it. You have to treat it with reverence. Anoichi, which refers to Hashem himself, has no holiness. Because the word Anoichi doesn't contain Hashem. Doesn't define it, doesn't describe it, doesn't even hint at it. We're just using a word because we have to use a word. So we say anoichi. Anoichi means I. So anoichi means it's, it's indicating Hashem. Not that Hashem is contained in the word anoichi. Or it's even hinted at in the word anoichi. No. But we have to say something. So we say anoichi, this indicates Hashem. We're talking about Hashem. But we're talking about Hashem's essence that completely cannot be contained. We find similarly in a halacha, very interesting. You have the talus and you have the tzitzis. So the Kabbalah explains, brought down in Hasidus, that the holiness of the talus is greater than the holiness of the tzitzis. The tzitzis, strings, the strings, is differentiated. That already symbolizes the level that we can understand, we can internalize. You have the four corners, every one of them is eight strings, eight times four, 32, the 32 paths of wisdom. The talus, however, which surrounds you, represents Hashem's infinite light. It can't be internalized. That remains above us and transcends us and beyond us and encircles us and encompasses us. The all-encompassing light. The transcendent light that transcends the whole frame of reference of the universe. That's contained in the Talos. So the question is asked, in Halacha, the tzitzes are holy. The Talos has no holiness to it. Halachically, the Talos itself, without the tzitzes, has no holiness So the tzitzis, even after, let's say, it becomes possible, you, have to, you should treat it with reverence. The talus, not the tzitzis, has no holiness. The question is, if the talus, according to the Kabbalistic explanation, that the talus 
transcends the level of holiness of a talus, transcends the tzitzis. The tzitzis are attached to the talus. The tzitzis flow from the talus. The holiness of a tzitzis comes from the holiness of the ta- of, that's attached to the talus. So why is it that the talus doesn't have any holiness? And the answer is, not only is it not a, a question, that's the answer. That's the explanation. Because the talus represents such a level of holiness that the talus can contain that holiness. The talus only indicates that holiness, points to that holiness. Not that it contains that holiness, it just points to that holiness. But it doesn't contain it internally, because it's too transcendent. It can't express itself in the talus. So the talus only indicates that there is such a level of holiness. But because it's so transcendent, the talus can't contain that holiness. The talus, therefore, the talus doesn't have any holiness in it. The tzitzis, however, which is a lower level of holiness, the 32 passive wisdom, which is the internal holiness, the level of holiness that we can internalize, that flows from the holiness associated with the talus, that has a level of holiness. Because the tzitzis could contain that holiness. Just like Hashem's name, Anoichi, which I who am I, which refers to Hashem's essence, which transcends names. You can't even call Hashem by any name. I who am I, who can't be called by any name, who can't even be hinted at, and they can't be contained in any letter, and not even hinted at in the crown. I who am I, and yet the word Anoichi has no holiness. To it. It's actually an Egyptian word. Anoichi originally is not even a Hebrew word. Not Ani, Anoichi. It's an Egyptian word, part of the Egyptian language. Anoichi. It has no holiness to it. Why? It's a contradiction. What do you mean it has no holiness to it if it, if it indicates Hashem Himself? The answer is precisely. Because it is I who am I, who cannot be contained in any letter and can't be even hinted at. Because even a hint, a riddle, also has some connection to the wisdom that's in these words and letters. It's just you have to get to it. It's not simple. It's, it's hidden there somewhere. It's, it, it's, it's a riddle. But it's there somewhere. So it contains it somewhat. It hints at it. Here Hashem says, I can't even be hinted at. It's my essence. It's undefined. It can't even be contained. and can't even be hinted at. I or my. And precisely for that reason, Anoichi has no holiness to it. Because the words and the letters don't contain Hashem's holiness. And don't even hint at Hashem's holiness. It just indicates, Anoichi, we're referring to Hashem. The truth is, we don't have any, we, we have to speak something. Because we are, we have to speak. So we want to talk about Hashem. Anoichi is a word that indicates Hashem. Not that it contains it. It can't contain it. The essence of Hashem can't be contained. It's undefined. The, the truth is, the moment we open our mouth, it's already not Hashem. <laughs> because the moment you say something, it's already defined, limited. So we have no choice. So we say a word, Anoichi, Anoichi. We know what we're talking about. We're talking about, we're indicating Hashem's essence, which completely transcends any word, definition, any hint, anything. That's why it has no holiness. That's why he says that the kites on top of the yud, the crown on top of the yud, roimis. He doesn't say 
It's nirmaz. Nirmaz, in the beginning he said the ten spheres are included, and v'nirmazes, they are represented in, this, in their source, in the Yudke Vavke. That the letters Yudke Vavke contain and hint at, they're included and represented in Hashem's name. And he says the letter Yud, merames, hints at Hashem's wisdom contained within the Yud. It's actually contained within the Yud. But then he says that on top of the Yud there's a crown which indicates something that's way beyond. Lamaila, Maila. That's way beyond. In other words, not only it's not contained in the letter Yud. It's not even hinted at. It's not, it's not included, it's not represented. But it, it hints, it just hints, it tells us that there is something that's totally beyond the level of Chach. Totally beyond the level of the ten spheres, which is God's will, which transcends the ten spheres. Like the subconscious, completely transcends the whole conscious level. The whole different, the whole different reality. So could you say it's contained? In the crown. Not contained in the crown. Just the crown is just indicating. When you see the crown, that means it's indicating that there is. Where does Chachma come from? It comes from a level that completely transcends the whole frame of reference. Completely transcends even wisdom. Which is the will. Which is the subconscious. So this is the level of Yud. And then, when the seminal point of Chachma is eventually amplified and revealed as something comprehensible to the concealed worlds. When it descends a level and sphere of Bina, that's the idea of Bina. Bina means to build. When you take the original creative idea, like taking the sperm and then the mother takes it and develops it and amplifies it. And from this little sperm we create the whole person with 248 limbs and 365 veins, it was all contained in that seed. But to take that seed and to turn it into a whole, to amplify it, to reveal it, and then it becomes comprehensible. Then you have words. It's like when you take the wellspring, which comes from beneath the ground, and let's say it feeds the river, And once it reaches the river, suddenly the river becomes, the river expands. The wellspring itself is like a drop at a time. It's a little small source of water that flows from very deep down underneath. But when it's revealed, it's revealed, suddenly it, it starts, it expands. It's roaring, it's, it's, it's huge. It just expands. That's the nature of Bina. It just builds it out. You take a concept, an idea, and then you build it out. And then it becomes a whole structure. Bina. Binyan becomes a whole, whole structure with a beginning and a middle and an end. Ground floor, second floor, third floor, everything becomes, suddenly you have a huge... That's Bina.
And he says on page 1044, this is contained and represented in the letter He. Because the letter He has two shapes. Firstly, from a one point, it becomes a wide line, the, the top of the He. So it means it spreads. Suddenly it becomes a huge... From one little point, suddenly you have all these, these details. Once you analyze it, and once you clarify it, and once you articulate it, suddenly there are many, many points, and it becomes a huge structure. Many different applications. Not only in this narrow thing that you discuss, suddenly the same idea you can apply and you can amplify and from one idea, one creative idea, you have a whole book with 30 chapters, all different aspects of this same idea. When you spell it out, and it, it grows, and it, 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 it's, it's like that from that wellspring that feeds the river, suddenly the river becomes, expands, and the river swells in the, in the, in the breath. It becomes very expansive. From that little seed, suddenly you have a whole child. And then you also have going down. The hay starts on top and then it continues down, vertically, both on the right and on the left. So the letter hay also extends in the length to indicate extension and flow downward into the concealed world. So when you understand something very well, then you can also explain it. You can bring it down to someone who is on a lower level. If you don't understand it yourself, if you, if you don't have it, it's not crystal clear and you, haven't, you can't articulate it and you can't bring it down to a lower level. So it's only because you have the expansion and the comprehension, the comprehensive understanding, you understand the whole picture and all its details and all its ramifications now I'm able to apply it. I'm able to bring it down to a person who's on a lower level. He can also understand. Because only the person who has, understands it very clear could communicate it and can bring it down to the lower level. That's why Avraham, in order for Avraham to give birth, Avraham's name had to be changed from Avram to Avraham. Dr. Rebbe explains in Torah Ur, Avram means Av, his father, Chachma, the dot, the yud, the point. Ram, the highest level of Chachma. Avram was genius, creative genius, and he understood Hashem, and he came to the understanding of Hashem. But he couldn't communicate it. He didn't have the hay. He couldn't give birth. He couldn't extend it. It was all internal. and was very hidden. And inside it was so alive. Just like the wellspring is alive. It's a source of life. It's the source. It's the father. The first one, the creative, the breakthrough, the pioneer. But, but it, there's no continuity. You can't communicate it. You can't convey it. You can't lower it down. You can't bring it down. It's too lofty. Only Avram knew what he was talking about. He didn't have the ability to really bring it down. Hashem added the hay. The hay gave him the ability to bring it down. Sarai also. Sarai was called Sarai with a Yud. She couldn't give birth. She didn't have the hay. She didn't have the ability 
to lower herself, to bring it down to the next level, to communicate, to convey, to reveal. Hashem gave her the Yud, Sarah. Now she was able to give birth. She was able to reveal, to lower, to bring it down, to communicate it, to continuity, to the next level, to the lower level, to convey it. So this is the quality of Bina, quality of the hay. It's all included in the letter hay, just like Chachma. The essence of Chachma is included in the letter hay. The hay contains and expresses the quality of Chachma. That's why the, the Yud is a dat. It expresses the quality of Chachma. Because Chachma is also a dat. It's a point. It's, it's, it's a creative idea. It's a flash, bolt of lightning. It's like a dot. It's hidden. It's concealed. Everything is contained in the seed, but I can't see it. I can't differentiate it yet. I can't explain it, articulate it. And this dot, he says, also has not only what's contained in the letter Yud, but it's also hinted at. Because there are things that it contains, obviously contains, and then there are things that only hints at. In the letters. Like in a, in a puzzle, in a riddle. It only contains and, and it even hints at higher levels. And then he said, and he says in the parentheses, that the crown on top of the Yud doesn't contain but it indicates that there's also something that's totally beyond, beyond even a hint which is Hashem's will for the subconscious, a whole different level and just like the hay the bina, the idea of bina is contained in the letter hay look at the shape of the hay the story of the hay the bina is contained even in the shape of the letter that's what's so unique about the Hebrew language the letters are not just letters, sounds. The letters contain and convey the object that's named after that we're talking about. So he's explaining here that Hashem's name, the ten spheres are actually included in the letter Yud and in the letter He. The holiness of the Svira and the characteristic of the Svira and what, what the Yud contains the Chachm. That's why it's a holy name. It's a holy letter and a holy name. The hay contains Hashem's Bina, which is the quality of Bina, of expansiveness, and then also lowering them. He says the hidden words, worlds are nourished from the level of Bina, so that they may have an understanding of godliness. So Yud is completely hidden and concealed. There's no revelation. It's the beginning. It's the spark. Everything follows from Chachma. But it's still hidden. It can't be con- communicated. It can't be conveyed. It's, it's... But from there, from the Yud, the Yud continues. You take the Yud and then you make the hay. Every letter starts with the Yud. Like, and then you make the hay. From the Yud, then you develop the hay. And from the hay, there already you can already nourish you can, the hidden worlds. That they should have an understanding of godliness. They should be able to comprehend godliness. They should be able to relate to godliness. 
In the next stage, when this extension and flow are drawn still lower into the revealed worlds, he says the ten spheres through which God conducts the hidden worlds, and from there he also conducts the, the revealed worlds. So this is how, first we start with the hidden worlds. Because the level of bina, of comprehension of godliness, is something that the hidden worlds, only the hidden worlds can truly comprehend godliness. And then when that flow continues and extends, that's the vav. For example, which may be compared by way of analogy to one who wishes to reveal his thoughts to another through his speech. His thought is for yourself. Bina is the hidden world. Hidden world is like for yourself, you're thinking for yourself. So yes, you're bringing it down into words, you can articulate it, but you're communicating it to yourself. It's through these words that you can understand it, and you can relate it, you can relate to it, you can grasp it. But then you want to continue the flow, you want to bring it down even to a lower level, you want to reveal it even more, that even the other person should understand this idea. That's... This extension is contained and represented in the final letters Vav and He. The Yud K represents the internal. And the He creates and nourishes the hidden worlds. For example, Hashem's thought. And then it extends even further, the Vav K, the flow continues and is revealed even externally, even to the revealed worlds. Like speaking. You're able to speak and you're able to find the words to speak and to explain and to communicate it even to an outsider. And that's included and represented in the letters of Avki. Now, now he's going to explain. Just like he explained how you see the shape of the Yud contains Chachmah, the whole essence of Chachmah. The shape of the hay contains the essence of what Bina is all about. So too, the shape of the vav, ki avav, the vav, which is shaped like a vertical line, indicates downward extension. Vav is a line. I mean, you're taking the elevator down. You're taking all the way down from here, the heights, and you're bringing it all the way down. The ability to take something from the top, on the top of the vav, and to bring it all the way down to the bottom, the bottom of the, on the line, from the top to the bottom, that's the ability of Vav. The ability of Vav is to draw down, to reveal. Hey is revealing, but revealing internal, an internal revelation, like thought. It's revealing to yourself, the hidden worlds that are completely transcend this world. The Vav is the ability to bring it down in a revealed way, to the revealed worlds. Then he says, there's another connection between this stage and the letter Vav. Also, this downward flow into the revealed worlds is affected through the divine trait of benevolence and goodness and God's other holy traits, included in general terms in the six attributes, which is numerical equivalent of Vav. Vav is six. So there are six emotional attributes which begins with kindness, which we find, we say, every morning in davening, in the prayer, in the morning, from the verse in Divrei Hayamim, from Chronicles 1, 
the end of Chronicles, says, You, O God, is greatness. Yours, O God, is greatness. To you is greatness. Hagidullah, the Hagavudra, and strength. Matifed is and beauty, and Netzach, and to be triumphant. Vahoid and beauty. Kichoil, Bashamayim of Aretz, everything in heaven and earth is included. Until yours, O God, is sovereignty. But that's not included. It's the six until sovereignty, which are the six attributes within a person, six emotional attributes love, restraint, strength, compassion, competitiveness, humility, connection. Which leads to sovereignty. So the six, the first six that he mentions from kindness, from love, until connection, this is all part of the internal emotional makeup that leads a person to draw down, to want to draw down. Why do you want to draw down? Because you love another person. Right? You don't love yourself, you love another person. You have a relationship with another person. So you want to share with him. You want to communicate. You want to communicate. You're so excited. And you have something so precious. You want to lower it down. You want to bring it down. You want to communicate it. You want to convey it. But what drives you? What motivates you? What motivates you is is your emotion. Your emotional makeup. You You want to bring it down to the next level. You don't want to keep it to yourself. You want to interact with those around you and share with them this beautiful insight that you have. This beautiful richness. Rich world that you're living in. You want to share that richness. You want to communicate that richness. You want to bring it down to their level. So, so it's a process of six. There six emotional attributes that leads a person from the love until the personal connection. Because I connect with the other person. There's a, there's a connection. You know, there, there, there's chemistry. From the love till the chemistry. You saw it, it's like there's a chemistry. There's a connection. Because I have a chemistry with you, what people call charisma, or it's really chemistry when a person just connects with another person. What's charisma? A person connects. Can't explain it, but you know, somehow this person, you can have a person who's brilliant, but he doesn't connect. He can't teach. Why can't he teach? He doesn't connect with his students, he doesn't connect with. He's brilliant, but he's living in his own world. Charisma is the one who can connect. A politician, a leader who has charisma, he can connect with his audience. You know, a father connects with his son. There's a connection. There, there, there's chemistry. It's personal. It's very tight. So, so these are the motivations. These are the, this is the vav. These are the six attributes from love. Because I love the other person. Because I have a relationship with the other person. Because I care about the other person. That's why I want, I want to communicate all the richness that's going on inside of me. I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to communicate it to, and reveal it. Bring it out in words that the other person can understand. So this is the, seven, the six emotional attributes within the person that leads a person to vav, to bring it down. Through the vav, through the six emotional attributes. Which leads us to the hay. What is the hay? The hay is Hashem's sovereignty. That's the seventh attribute. 
For his attribute of sovereignty is called the Word of God. The Var Hashem. Speech is not one of the Midas. The Midas, the emotional characteristics, are called Midas. Mida means it defines me. Limdoid. It, it measures me. It defines me. The measure of a person, the Midas of a person, what defines a person is his character, is his emotional attributes. So yes, I love you. I'm not loving myself, I'm loving you. Love is in relationship to something outside of me. But the love defines me, characterizes me. I love you. I am attracted to you. I am attracted to this or to that. So yes, it's in relation to something outside of me. But it's a midah. It characterizes me. When Avram was sitting after the bris for three days, he didn't have any guests. And he was in pain, more in pain from not having guests than, than being physically in pain from this major operation. Even though there was no guest, Avram had this love that he wanted to share. So even though there was no one around, but he had this love and he was in pain that he couldn't show kindness to anyone, he couldn't love anyone, he couldn't give anything to anyone, there was no one around. So even though there's no one around, Avram still had this love. Even though he, he loved others, and it pained him that he had no one, but the love characterizes him. It defines you. This is who you are. This is your character. You're a loving person. You're a kind person. Or how do I relate to the world outside of me? But it's about me. It, it shapes me. It defines me. How I relate to the world outside of me. How I relate to the other person. That's the midah. Those are the six devav, the six attributes. From love to connection, chemistry, charisma, whatever you want to call it, yisayid. These all, yes, it's in relation to the other person, but it's about me. How I relate to the other person. Speech is not me. Speech is where I end and the other person begins. Speech is communicating to the other person. Getting into the other person's head. Getting into the other person's mind. What are they thinking? Not me. Speech is the other person. Speech is the businessman. <laughs> Not the creative person. <laughs> Speech is the exact opposite. Speech is the person who's brutally egoless. It's not about me. I start a business, I love a business, but it's not selling. People don't want it, people are not interested. He'll take all his business and close it down, start a new business. He's, he's, he has his ear to the other person. What does the other person need? What does the other person want? It's not about me, it's about the other person. Most creative people are lousy business people because it's two different talents. <laughs> it's two different abilities. Creative ability is all about me, my talent, my ability, my... So even though the creative person is, is pretty, could be pretty egoless because you have to be, you have to have a window to the soul, you have to be open to something greater than yourself. And that's what makes you creative. That's chachma, that's the quality of chachma, humility. 
but still and all, it's all about me. Speech is totally about the other person. Forget about yourself. Take yourself out of the picture. What does the other person need? What do they need to hear? What are the words that will click with them? What are their words? What are they all about? What are they into? Where are they at? It's not me. It's about the other person. It's not my thoughts. It's not my abilities. It's not my talents. It's not my... It's totally forget about yourself. It's speech is I'm speaking to the other person. And that what matters here is the other person. I have to put myself in their shoes. I have to get inside their head. I have to use language that the other person understands. I have to communicate to them on their level. That's the, that's the quality of speech. That's why malchus, royalty, sovereignty is called speech. Because who is the ultimate king? The communicator. The one who is in touch with his audience. Who can speak the language of his audience. Can completely forget about himself. Put himself totally out of the picture. And the other person becomes everything. What is the other person? Now, of course we're talking about a real king. We're not talking about modern day politicians. They also take polls and polls and, and, and test groups and they tell people exactly what they want to hear but that's an empty shell superficial politician that people have completely lost any trust in because he has nothing he has nothing he has no content it's all about the other person whatever the other person wants or you think that whatever the other person wants you're not leading them that's not a leader a real leader, a true leader, is malchus, is speech. Speech receives whatever came before it. Behind the speech, there's a thought. And behind the thought, there's an emotion. And behind the emotion, there's a thought, there's a concept. There's a creative ability. Malchus is one of the ten spheres. It's the last step. But it's a continuation, a continuum of all the other spheres. It receives all the other spheres. What are you communicating? You're not communicating you. You're communicating the Chachma. You're communicating the Bina. You're communicating the Das. You're communicating everything that came before you. But you have the unique ability to take the Chachma and to take the Bina and to take that message and bring it down in words that the receiver could receive in their world language from their world, get into their head what they're thinking, where they're at, how they're thinking, and give them the authentic message, the genuine message, give it to them in a way that they can receive it. That's the uniqueness of Malchus. That's the unique bridge. The true communicator is not someone who's an empty head who has nothing to communicate. He has to wait for a poll first to figure out what he's going to communicate. That's not a leader, that's a politician. It's an empty suit. That's a farce, that's an insult. No wonder why people have completely lost any respect for politicians. A genuine leader is a leader. 
not a follower. And he has ideas, and there are truths that he's leading and elevating and conveying to his followers. But he has the ability, the knack to communicate. He has the ability to take this authentic message without diluting the message, but bring it down in language that the person could understand. Wherever the person is at, they can relate to it and they can connect with it. This is the quality of sovereignty of Malchus. Dibur. Dibur, on one hand, has nothing on its own. Dibur just receives. It's just a receptacle. Whatever you put inside, it's a vehicle. Whatever you put inside. So Dibur, speech, is a, is a receptacle from everything that comes before it. Thought, emotions, intellect, subconscious. Everything is contained within the speech. It receives everything that comes before it. From Chachma on down. But it also ha- it's the connector. Malchus, sovereignty is the connector to the audience. It has the ability to communicate, take these ideas and communicate it in the world and in the language of the receiver. By being brutally and totally removing your ego totally and just putting yourself in the other person's shoes, the ability to put yourself in the other's shoes. And to put yourself in the other person's head and using his language and his reality and his words to communicate the entire truth, nothing but the truth, without compromising one iota, without diluting it one iota, no adaptations, but speaking the truth and communicating in a level that he can understand. This is king. Whoever can do this can bridge these two worlds. Dibur is totally receiving everything that comes before it 100%. And on the other hand, communicating it to someone outside, using their language, getting into their head, speech, the fo- it's not, I don't need speech from myself, it's totally about the other person. Whoever can bridge these two, whoever can make such a connection, he is king. This is king. It's like the earth. Where did God put the ultimate creative ability? earth, everyone steps on earth, earth is in the bottom earth is the lowest, it's like speech speech is the bottom, speech is the lowest, words what are words? words are nothing it's what's behind the words, is there a brain is there a heart, is there a real person, is there a soul what are words, words are dry, words are technical words are are just vehicles it has nothing, it's lifeless (laughs) words but if you're able to have the ability to communicate you're king Earth, everyone steps on Earth. But Earth has the ability to create. The Earth receives the seed, completely absorbs the seed, the seed rots and becomes part of the Earth. And then suddenly a miracle happens. The seed. Where did you get from this seed to a beautiful tree? Where exactly did you find in that seed this beautiful, luscious tree? All came from the seed. That's the ability of earth, of communication. When you have the ability to communicate, suddenly you take a seed, an idea, a concept, and you amplify it a thousandfold. The Rebbe took Chabad, the Rebbe's Malchus, that's kingdom, that's sovereignty. 
took the Baal Shem Tev and the Magid and the Alter Rebbe, took the concept, the seed, and when you have the ability to communicate, suddenly you amplify it a thousandfold. Five thousand Chabad houses all over the world. Yiddish guide flourishing all over the world. A renaissance, a revolution. This is Malchus. This is speech. Whoever can speak is royalty, is king. Communication. Like it says, it says in the verse in Kohelet, King Solomon says, King Solomon, wherever the word of the king holds sway. Because that's what a king is about. The king is speech. How does he rule his kingdom? Speech. He communicates. He's the master communicator. He can take all that wisdom and communicate it to the outsider. Supernal speech then is related to Malchus, God's sovereignty. And again, the letter, hey, contains this quality. Okay, we'll continue next week how, again, the letter, hey, actually contains this quality. The shape of the letter and the... Okay, any questions before we finish? <laughs> what? Because Das is Das is just a connector. Das is connects the Chachmabina with the emotions, the intellect with the emotion. So Das is not about learning something new, it's internalizing it, personalizing it. Connecting with it, which leads you to the emotions. And Das ultimately is rooted in Kesser, right? Why does Das have that ability to connect? Because it's very personal. So it's rooted, rooted in Kesser. But, um, so that's why you're right. In the, in the name Yudke Vavke, we don't find Das. Where's Das? It's not in the shape of the U, it's not in the shape of the A. It's not the Vav, it's not the second hey, the last hey, but that, because that's really, right, it is Keser. Keser is hinted at at the crown. It, it indicates to the crown, to the Ratzin, and that's really where Das is rooted that. That's why children have Chachm and have Bina. Children can have Chachm and can have Bina. Some children are wiser and more brilliant than some 80 years old. But they can't give birth. They don't have Das. They haven't reached puberty. They don't have that maturity. They don't have beards. Because where does the beard come from? As we discussed in that thing about beards. The ability to give birth, that comes from Kesser. That comes from the soul. That's beyond the ten spheres. It's beyond the whole frame of reference of ten spheres. So they can be brilliant, but they don't have the maturity. They don't have the pleasure. Das comes from pleasure, it comes from the ultimate, it comes from the essence. And that only comes with puberty, that only comes with when you're bar mitzvah, bas mitzvah. That's when the beard starts growing, that's when you reach puberty, that's when you have the ability to give birth. So that's Das. So Das is really, really comes from Keser, it comes from a whole different, uh, it's more connected to the crown of the Yud, which indicates something that's beyond the ten spheres.
But the Yud Kei Vav Kei represents the um, the ten spheres, and he's saying he says ten spheres, even though he's only he's only describing nine of the spheres. With the crown, right. The crown. So um, maybe that's another reason why he puts in the parentheses that the crown on top also represents Hashem's will, which that would explain the, the das. Why the das, how the das is hinted at in the letter and the shapes of the letter. It's a good question. The das was, was mentioned before the algorithm or he started... Um, no, no, it's mentioned before. When Das is Nimna, Eina Keser Nimna. Usually, we, before that, the usual count was Keser, Chachma, Bina, Chesed. But sometimes they wrote Das. So, so whenever Das is mentioned, there's no Keser. When Keser is mentioned, there's no Das. So the two are interchangeable. So since he said the Kites of a Yud, Hinset, Ratzen, Maybe that's why it's in the parentheses. That's you can explain very simply why he has to bring that in. Because otherwise, where's the das? He says there's ten spheres. What, ha- what happened to das? That could, be, that could be a good explanation. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.